As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling? Alright, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin' Paul Jr. Jr. Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you here. We don't have we don't have any naming rights. We're yeah. like Yeah. We're we're partially presented by Magic Spoon. Uh, you know, and then and then there's always other random things that we can be presented by, but nothing as cool <laughs> or as lucrative as Paycor Stadium, which is now the new home name of Paul, what, the artist formerly known as Paul Brown Stadium. I I, I think it makes sense. Um, it, it doesn't sound awful like a lot of these naming rights do. It, it's it kind of has a smooth tone coming off and it's i, I kind of wrote about it in the story it makes total sense that a a payroll company is buying the naming rights so that the Bengals can manage their payroll and pay joe burrow with by putting this money in escrow um i, I i'll be interested to see what the fan reaction is I, I everybody typically hates sponsor names on stadiums but i i think this is a good one yeah we're gonna we're gonna get into that um topic here during the show we got a lot to get to you know we've got the first preseason game is coming up on friday mm. so we're going to talk about some players that we are looking forward to watching uh some that names that you may not have thought of and some that were kind of told to us this week as we've kind of done some some asking players who they are most looking forward to watching mm. and some names have popped out there so we're going to talk a little bit about who has got everybody thinking about what are they going to look like on Friday? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, we, of course, uh, are going to bring in our good friend, Mo Egger. Uh, he seems like the perfect person to bring in, and we talk all things stadium naming rights. Uh, and so we'll, we'll discuss that with him. We'll be coming to him here if you're live. Thanks, everybody that's popping in on the YouTube channel. Uh, we'll, we'll come in with him right around 1030. Um, and we have to talk about Joe Burrow. Health, throwing a football, kind of. <laughs> def- I mean, technically. Tossing. 
technically tossing a football um, and some other takeaways from things that are going on at camp with some insider scoops with the end we will take some of your questions so if you are here on the youtube stream uh drop your questions in or otherwise uh we've got a few more uh that have been dropped in on twitter that we will get to so we will have a few of your questions that we'll try to pump through here at the end of the show so Let's uh, start news, Jay. News of the day. What do what do we got? I think a few things that stick out to me: Lael Collins, T. Higgins, getting much much closer. I mean, they're progressing well. T. Higgins, in particular, who um, looks good, took part in one on ones. He's going to be taking part in seven on sevens, uh, and that is all things that he has not been doing yet. Uh, you know, anybody that saw some of the video from the, some of the highlights of practice yesterday, he had a leaping grab over top of Cam Taylor Britt in a red zone drill that uh, in a one on one that certainly looked like the T Higgins that you know and have seen. Uh, so that was good. And then Lel Collins looking much better, much more active in the rehab he's still doing on the side. So he's still on the NFI list, uh, but looking much more like a guy who's who's ready to take the next step and get in on these practices soon. Yeah, Higgins is the big one because we haven't seen him do much. And he even expressed his frustration with with having to go over on the side field and run when they went into team drills. And um, he he ran a a few routes in one-on-ones yesterday. And they didn't do any sevens, but you're right. Had they done seven-on-seven, it was a very, very heavy special teams day yesterday. Um, So tough luck to any of you that went down to watch practice because it wasn't super exciting but if they had done seven and seven seven on sevens he would have been out there i assume we will see that on wednesday the Bengals off today on tuesday as we record this um and and collins also trending in the right direction um this is what they aimed for you're not you're never going to be totally healthy but the the whole point of having that that abbreviated lighter off season was to make sure that you you had everybody ready to go and um there are no you know serious pending issues Joe Burrow maybe the the most serious and again everything right now is trending upward for him no doubt um the depth chart the like unofficial first depth chart came out I don't even know that we need to talk about it I mean it's the same depth chart you know I have one of course for sort of a working file I always have on my computer the Bengals depth chart and it was an exact replica of that there were no surprises it's where everybody has been playing has been practicing and and so um you know very very standard stuff I mean the the rookies that were drafted high are where you would think they would be um Right there in those backup roles, you know, Volson behind Carmen and Dax Hill right there, technically in there behind Bates uh, and Carter. Uh, is that Carter right in there um, at the three technique backup to BJ Hill? So all those guys sort of slotted um, into where you think that that they would be. Um, any did anything stick anything stick out to you on that, Jay? I mean, it, to me, it seemed uh, at you know very much what we thought it would be. No. And that, that first depth chart always comes with the disclaimer that this is, that is not put together by the coaching staff. That is the, uh, the media relations department putting that in there. It's, it's all, like you said, it's slotted as though you, you could have made that depth chart the, the week, the day after the draft. There, there's nothing that's really happened to kind of to change anything. That's what these preseason games are for when you, you see the, 
the week one depth chart, obviously a lot of these guys aren't even going to be on there because they're you're going to be cut down to 53. But that's when you're really going to get a better idea of where these newcomers stand and in the position battles, Carmen and Volson. You know, Carmen's there by default right now. Doesn't mean Volson can't beat him out, but Carmen is ahead of him. So yeah, nothing. Nothing really stood out. Is it was as you said, you had your own ready to go, and it was the exact same. Yeah, um, Deontay Smith with a ding and the back injury that that he's kind of uh, powering through day to day, I guess on that. Um, so we'll see um, when he comes back, but um, you know, just a matter of time. Yeah, I mean it's he's already i mean what he's missed two practices and he's already back on the rehab field um he's been wearing this weird little vest with red lights on it i guess it pulses and helps the muscles in his back not thought to be serious um just like everyone else that's dealing with dings right now uh that that are not on a list that there's there's just there's no real concerns even drew sample had a knee injury and he avoided the, you know, it being cata- a catastrophic injury. It looked bad. He went off on the card. He's wearing a big brace, but, but Zach Taylor said he, he avoided the the worst that it could have been. And it, he's only going to be out for a couple weeks. It's just going to give Mitchell Wilcox some, some more run um, in the preseason games. So overall things trending pretty well health wise for this Bengals team, uh, just like it was most of last year. Yep. You need those Mitch Wilcox reps. Absolutely. Got to get those. Uh, Khalid (laughs) Kareem off the PUP. Jay, you talked to Khalid, and, uh, you know, I mentioned him in stock report as a down because Mm -hmm. he had to sit there, not being back yet, off something that he had surgery on way back after the Super Bowl, um, and watch a slew of young edge rushers look really good. All guys that are trying to take his spot. And he had to sit there and watch that. Well, him coming off the list and starting to get back into practice now is a step in the right direction for him. But I mean, uh, it was a long time coming. Yeah, it was. And and he hasn't really flashed much in his first two years, but he's been dealing with a lot of injuries. And he pointed out, he, he tore his labrum in that preseason game last year, took a few weeks off on IR, came back and continued to play through it, knowing it needed surgery at some point. And then that, that iconic play where he steals the ball from, from Drew Locke in the Denver game and takes off with it the other way. And he gets a helmet to helmet, gets concussed on the tackle. And he said he, he re injured, the, the shoulder on that play where well, he landed on it. So he missed another couple of weeks with what was listed as a concussion, but it was also re-injuring that labrum. And then he still came back and played through it again and was productive in limited snaps. Um, so now he's got it totally cleaned up with surgery a week after the Super Bowl. So a, a big chance for him. He, it, it's a slow start to camp, but I imagine, I don't know if we'll see him Friday, but we should see him in these these last two preseason games and a big chance for him to kind of get his name thrown into that mix, too, with all these young guys on the defensive line. Jay, you going with iconic on that Kareem play? For the season, I will say, and not not in Bengals <laughs> lore, but I mean, I mean you, it was a huge play. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel was, like that's an insult to the word iconic. Well, okay, maybe maybe that was a little <laughs> hyperbole, but it was it was so rare. I mean, how many for times him, do you see for him? 
Yeah, well, how many times do you see a guy, a, def- a defender, just rip the ball out of a quarterback's hands and take off the other way? Um, it was only to be concussed himself. <laughs> exactly. And if you remember, that was fourth quarter. The Broncos have second and goal at the nine. The Bengals are leading 15 to 10. If they score a touchdown there, they take the lead. Maybe the Bengals don't win that. Maybe the whole Super, Super Bowl run looks different maybe it doesn't happen at all i mean that that was a big big play uh in the in the course of the season last year totally agree we'll go how about low-key iconic <laughs> semi i go with that <laughs> semi-iconic semi-iconic so semi, yeah we'll, we can do that all right let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The big news has been to the next two topics that that we're going to kind of focus on. And let's start with the news that we have to talk about. We're actually legally obligated to make sure we get at least five to ten minutes of Joe Burrow talk in. But we have to now is, you know, we're really starting to get a better feel um, just in what we've seen and conversations we've had around the building for exactly what is going on with Joe Burrow and where he's at. And you know, the bottom line is it, all that matters is it's really encouraging what has happened. And I'll, I'll start with this. Zach Taylor spoke a little bit about the fact that Joe Burrow was out at practice uh, yesterday uh, on Monday and there was no cart. He even jogged around at times. He technically kind of soft tossed a football and was was doing a little bit of things. But, you know, he's he's the fact that he's out there. We're no longer talking about the dude sitting on the cart. He's he's looking more like himself. He's standing the whole time. The wincing and the pick line and all those conversations are are gone now. And that's such a huge big deal. Um Let's hear what Zach Taylor discussing that with a few reporters in a little uh, gaggle after practice yesterday. Yeah. So there was a podcast that mentioned about Burroughs surgery maybe not going as smoothly as we thought. Can we just get an update on him, how the procedure went, and when you expect? It seems like he was moving around better today. Yeah, I mean, I think what you see is what you get. He, he looks good to me. He's starting to get better every single day. And um, I don't, again, don't want to put a timeline on when he gets out here and starts throwing and stuff, but it's been encouraging. He's, he's backed himself in meetings and, and so looking good. I've never had that surgery. I don't know how it feels, so I'm not going to make any predictions, but uh, we're excited about the progress he's making. Is he going to have to put on some more weight? It looks like he's lost a noticeable amount of weight. No, I think he did a great job taking care of himself in the offseason, and so he's, he's in a good place. 
Zach, how much of not putting a timetable on him is making sure he's not rushing himself to get out here by a specific time? Yeah, he, he knows himself way better than we do. And so I, I trust, you know, the communications with him to know that when we're going to get him back out here. But in the meantime, we're going to go to work with his other quarterbacks. All right, there's a Zach Taylor kind of uh, talking a little bit at the end of practice there. And, you know, the, th- the thing is, I, I think there's a, there's a few things to touch on here. Um, one, yeah, the weight thing. So we've, we've mentioned this. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he is skinnier. He looks skinny. Um, yeah, because he wasn't able to eat for like a week and some change. Uh, when when you talk about him coming out of this surgery and having the complications that happened, you're going to lose some weight. You, you you can gain it back on quickly. You can gain your strength back. But that's a big part of it. Is a big part of this. It, it is noticeable. It is part of this. Is that um, he is going to have to put that weight back on and get himself back, you know, ramped up into the type of shape and that he wants to be in. That's both in weight. That's in conditioning. That's in all that stuff that he's had to take a break from here for a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, we still don't know. I mean, how much he's been able to lift i would imagine not much at all because it's not just the kind of weight that that i would like to lose in, in the stomach area he, he he looks upper body looks thinner his, his shoulders look thinner and i don't know how much of that you can lose in just a couple weeks it was actually it was two weeks ago today that he had the surgery but it is going to take a little bit to to get back up to full strength and and, and full conditioning um it, it is noticeable when you see him, but it's not gasp worthy where it's like, oh, my gosh, um, I, I don't imagine it's going to be an issue that lingers. He's he, the, the strength and conditioning staff. I mean, he knows what he needs to do. Like like Zach said, he knows himself better than anybody. I, I don't anticipate him being having this look to him very much longer, I, I, I whether he's sharp and throwing the ball and all that stuff that'll remain to seen but i I think his body will be get back to looking like it was pre-surgery in no time yeah i mean he's starting the rehab process of this he's he's eating he's put he's can focus on that i mean they have programs to make to help him deal with that whether whether we're talking about putting on weight putting on strength get ramping back up i mean that's all part of a process that he's going through right now and and you know one of the big things that was pointed out to me by somebody was that he's back to being himself again, you know, and, and personality wise and feeling engaged. And, you know, when you're, when you go through something like what he went through, um, it's tough. You're just dealing with all you're you're dealing with all kinds of pain. You're trying to power through and you, you can tell someone is starting to turn the corner by when they start acting right. Like, I mean, anybody that's had anything can say this. I mean, I go back specifically to me. I had my back surgery last November. Like I, I don't think people liked being around me. You can ask my wife. Uh, in, in, in the week or two specifically after the surgery, like, but once, once, you know, you started really getting really starting to feel like you can be yourself and see the light again, you can, you, you see it's noticeable, you know, to those around you. And I think it's been noticeable, you know, to those around Joe is that Joe's kind of being Joe again. And, 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 and that's a big deal. And, you know, you can see the confidence in him starting to come back. And, and so look, as far as when he will be back in things, we can only, you know, you're still kind of in the guesstimate because it's so matter of how he feels. And But, I mean, I, I, I would not, considering what we have seen and, and what we know about what the surgery that he, that he had and, and, and what he's coming back from, you know, I think you're going to see him probably 
back doing in in practice in some fashion, probably maybe next week. Um, I think I could I could very much see him being full go that that week of the Rams and, and having mm. the Rams practices. I think there's some eyes on those two Rams practices, uh, which will be uh, you're talking about the 24th and 25th uh, of August. So basically two weeks from now where that week and in those practices, he'll be out there and that'll be his dress rehearsal. That'll be his get right days, you know, to get himself really prepared for the season. And I expect him to be a part of that. Um, I think that's the expectation. You don't, you never know. And so it's, you hesitate, but we're, we're, we're kind of having to try to, you know, put all our clues together of everything that we have here. And if I'm doing that, um, that's kind of where the signs point to right now is that we should probably see him back at that point um, if, if all continues to go well. Yeah, because it, since they announced those joint practices with the Rams, that's that's what they've been pointing toward is really that is what is going to be the main work for the starters this preseason. You're not going to see the starters in much, if any, of this this preseason game action. So that's that's going to be the the two big days, those joint practices. So um, the, the, I'm sure that's what they're targeting to have him back by then, if not sooner. Like you said, it would the the original timeline of one to two weeks. Today is the second week, so it makes sense that that he could get back to doing some easing back in starting next week after they get get through this first preseason game. But uh, I would I would expect him to see him against the Rams, and I don't think there's any concern there with the relationship between Sean and, and Zach. There's an understanding. Sometimes things get a little feisty in these in these joint practices. I don't think you're going to have to worry about anybody getting too close to to Burrow um, when they go in those live sessions. Yeah, we'll uh, that'll we'll continue to monitor the Burrow thing as it goes along. But I would say the tone is much more encouraging today than it certainly was the last time we spoke. And I expect that to be the case uh, next time after, after a few more practices and we'll see how he starts to gradually move up again. It's, it's just a matter of him getting comfortable with, with how he feels and that's starting to feel better and, and his pain tolerance of what he can do. And then working within the doctor's program of, uh, you know, the rehab, Nick Cosgray, getting him back up to speed on the, the pace that they want to. Um, but yeah, I think that the, the tone around all of it much, much better today. And that's kind of really the overwhelming thing. Jay, I have skipped over the, your stat on Joe Burrow, two consecutive <laughs> episodes. You've had a Jay's got stats on Burrow that you had ready to go. And both times uh, I have skipped over it. Well, not today. Third time is the charm. Okay. Jay Scott stats on Joe Burrow says we've talked we talk about him every episode and I keep dissing it. So let's uh let's go. So I went and looked at all the quarterbacks that were drafted number one overall since 1970 from the, the NFL AFL merger um who led their team to a Super Bowl at some point. There's there's been eleven that did it. Um Joe Burrow, the fastest to do it in year two. The the average time it took the others was 6.3 years to get to their first Super Bowl, to start in their first Super Bowl. Um, Burrow actually became the he, – he passed Jared Goff. Jared Goff did it in year three with Zach Taylor and, and Sean McVay and the Rams. Um, but you look at some other quarterbacks on this, this list, uh, Eli Manning in year four, Aikman year four, Bledsoe, John Elway all did it in their fourth year. Stafford, who beat the 
who beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl in February, 13th year. Jim Plunkett, it took him 12 years. So these these guys, it's it's first of all, only 11 number one overall picks made it to, to starting in a Super Bowl. There was 27 quarterbacks picked number one overall during that time. Uh, looked at the, the top five picks. 56 guys have been drafted in the top five. Only 16 have started a Super Bowl. And still, Burrow at the top of that list for getting his team to a Super Bowl and starting in that Super Bowl the fastest, doing it in year two. Um, I think that's a big reason getting it. That we, we talked about it where they were a year early. We thought this would be the year when the playoff window would really fly open. Um, so it was it was a little unspe- unexpected just in the micro of what the Bengals are slash were to get there last year. But you put it up against NFL history, too. That just makes it even more impressive that that in year two burrow got to the super bowl i mean at this point what else can you say yeah you know it's like it's it's i mean these numbers are crazy but we're it's almost you almost gloss over them because it's like yeah everything that has happened has been remarkable uh when it comes to connecting hype to production Hmm. uh there's been very few like it let's start talking now a little bit about the stadium deal jay um and we're going to bring in mo here in a few minutes as we talk through it but there's some basics so paycor stadium uh is the new name of the artist formerly known as paul brown stadium uh 16 year deal um you know big numbers the the number actual financial numbers are not disclosed but I think you could probably assume that they're probably somewhere in the range between six million per year to ten million per year, depending on how good or sweet the deal ended up being. Just when you look at what the market is for this type of thing, um, it's a ten years. Or te- excuse me, ten, if it was ten million over sixteen years, um, you're talking one hundred and sixty. Let's say a little under that. Let's say it ended up at one hundred fifty million. Let's just say that um, the actual lease says that it is it that would end up that breakdown would end up being the Bengals getting 123 million of it and the county getting 27 million of it by virtue of the Bengals get the first 63 million off the top and then the rest splits 70 30 Bengals getting 70 percent uh so if you split if it, if it ended up at 150 again i don't we don't know this financial this is i'm using this hypothetically for ease of math you'd be looking at the Bengals pocketing 123 million dollars off of this deal and the county getting 27 million over the course of the 16 years um now that would be a very good deal if that if that is the, the case but and maybe it is uh but the thing is and we talked about it before it's the time is now, right? I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is what it is. It's it, it's putting the money in escrow for Burrow. It's things like the indoor practice facility, and they have just been on a bender of striking while the iron is hot here. When you're talking about Kettering Health with a, all over the practice, everything basically. I mean, I, I, you can't. I think we counted it up. There was like 32 signs for Kettering Health <laughs> around the you know the practice facility. Practice we got the indoor practice facility. That I'm sure is going to have some signage as part of it. We've got the new gates. Alta Fiber Gate is up now. You've got the Betfred sponsorship. I mean, I know I'm forgetting them because there's been so many. They have just been on an absolute bender of pocketing off of 
all of this, not to mention selling out season tickets, filling the suites. I mean, it is, um, they, they, it's a good time to be collecting uh, checks for, uh, for the Bengals. Yeah, just waiting for that pizza sponsorship. It, it, it's not like last year where no one wanted to, to be the pizza sponsor. It's, I think they've got a lot of companies interested this year. And there's, and not just pizza, a lot of other smaller sponsors trying to get on board and they're the weeding their way through them. And it's, it is, it's, it's amazing what one magic run like that in the postseason can do financially for this franchise. And, um, we've said, I mean, Joe Burrow is at the heart of everything that happens with this team. And that's, this is a big part, this, this naming deal to get the money in escrow for his contract. It's going to be a lot of guaranteed money in that contract. It has to be put aside. Um, I don't think it's going to touch the 230 million that Deshaun Watson got, but it, it is, I, I, I was thinking probably in the hundred to 150 million range for this. So I, I think you're right on with about, nine ten million a year for the naming rights and then maybe that money will come out if it becomes public record because the the county's going to have to be involved in it and get their share but as of now the Bengals not releasing the terms of the the agreement yeah we'll we'll find out uh soon enough but it's it's substantial and we kind of know what that market looks like in general mm-hmm. um so the other thing is paycor cincinnati based um and a long-term deal that goes well beyond the expiration of the lease in 2026. And we've talked about it. We we dropped a question into our state of the franchise survey, and it's you know, there's just been so much momentum recently in dispelling any idea that the Bengals would leave, uh, or that th- this thing is going to end up in a situation where the Bengals have to leave. And this is really, in my opinion, the most public emphatic example of them saying we're here we want to be here we want to be connected to this city we want to be connected with a a local business in the biggest way and we want that to connect to our stadium that we want to renovate and stay here we want to keep joe burrow here and we want this to go on you know and i and you can't you know put put your money where your mouth is right you can Mm. say it all you want this is them with the rights with a local company, and I think that does go a long way. Yeah. I mean, if something were to go south and they were were even in consideration of of leaving town before this deals up, you gotta you gotta write a big check back to Paycor uh to to get out of here. That's just it's not gonna happen. This is this is a commitment. And, and not that not that it ever it felt like a a serious threat, but it always kind of hung out there. The end of the lease, what's going to happen. And, and this almost serves as an extension of the lease, not officially, but you know, for the next 16 years, this, this team's going to be rooted right where it started. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of the, the basics of it. I'm sure, you know, we'll see the actual, you know, renderings and the actual signage will develop as they go along, but it's, it, but it is paycor stadium as of now on the website the things have been changed uh you know so there may be i'm sure there will be things that we'll see there'll still be a paul brown stadium hanging around there also can we get statue paul brown stadium can we get a paul brown statue now if we're gonna take the name off can we get a statue out front maybe that's maybe that's the uh the change uh that that you end up with here uh, feels like this would maybe that could maybe be the next step and a good timing for that. Um, 
just put it right next to the Burrow statue, I guess. You could just put it right next to each other. You could have Paul Brown <laughs> statue hugging Joe Burrow. The, the generations come together. Maybe, maybe we could do something like that. Would they put the statue out on the the concourse somewhere, or would they actually put it inside the gates? I know a lot of people put them outside, but I, I think I don't outside know. the main gate. I think the main gate and concourse that you can where you come in uh, facing Great American Ballpark out there, maybe. Yeah, and then that way people can take pictures, even not on game days. People are going to be right. taking pictures, and yep. Yeah, I think I think so. So anyway, no, I you know. A big deal. Mike addressed it. Doing it now because it's good for the football team, you know, and that's really the the, the part of this that that he said and that that mattered to him. You know, was if I'm going to take the name off, I want I'm going to do it because it's good for the football team, and that's what this ends up being. All right, let's just take a quick break. Now we can bring in our good friend Mo Egger from ESPN 1530 as we've, we've sort of laid out the land here um, already on on this deal and this in the stadium deal. And, and then we can talk about Mo's tweets about this. Oh, boy. Because, yeah, there's 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 a few out there. How are you been? I'm doing great, guys. What's going on? Not much. I thought we thought we thought you might be a good person to talk to about the stadium naming rights. I don't know. Yeah, Just, it feel, sure. feels feels like a good. When topic you want a naming you. rights guy, you call Mo. That's <laughs> call Mo. Uh, no, I want an opinion on naming rights guy, and I call Mo. Mm. Uh, Jay, do you have tweets from Tweet Count? On uh, I do. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of thought this was going to be like the the long distance runner that starts way too fast and then peters out at the end. He he had a career high one seventy nine last week, and I was waiting for the crash, but. No such thing. 172 this week. Wow. But a lot of thank yous wow. because Mo has started his own podcast and there was a oh, lot God. of feedback oh, to that. Boy. And he yeah. was, yeah. yeah. And I did. I listened to that first episode with Doc. It was really, really good. Well, thank you. It was, uh, was fun to do. Yeah. Uh, announcing you have a podcast is, is like announcing your house has windows. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't at this point, right? Yeah. So it doesn't exactly make me put me in exclusive company. But it is going to be a fun podcast. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see some. I'm really excited to see who some of the other guests are going to be, Mo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> me too, Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, as, as, and it's not a sports podcast necessarily. Sports adjacent, uh, more yeah. personality driven of people in Cincinnati, correct? I just want it to be interesting conversations with people who I think are interesting. And, and if they, if they're attached to sports, terrific. If they have nothing to do with sports, terrific. Um, if they're well-known, great. If nobody's ever heard of them, but me, that's okay too. I just, I, I wanted it to be, I, I like, I like long form conversations. I like uh, having a chance to sit down with people and, and talk about them more than sometimes a specific subject. And as much as I love radio and, and it will always be my first love and I hope to do it forever. Um, radio doesn't really afford you that chance. So especially in the format that we're in. So I, I've just, I've wanted to do this for a while and I don't know if it's going to be something that I do forever, but, uh, it has, it has sort of, I don't know, given me a little bit of a creative jolt, which I needed. 
Yeah, I like that. I'll start off with uh, what we need to get going, and that is a tweet from you. Uh, just call it Pejo Stadium because that's all that matters. <laughs> and I agree. I mean, it does just kind of sit so nice, Pejo Stadium. I, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I mean, the T-shirts have been printed, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> the, the paid with with no credit given to me, of course. No, I mean that's that's. You know, I heard you guys talking about you know the, the commitment, and and I know Paul, you tweeted about this. This might be the most tangible sign that we've had that the Cincinnati Bengals are not going anywhere. They're certainly not bolting after twenty twenty six, and. As far-fetched as that might sound to some, that was a thing. That was a thing just a couple of years ago. OMG, what's going to happen in 2026? How bad is the relationship between the Bengals and the public? And so would the NFL compel them to bolt? They want to put a team in Mexico City. They want to put a team in Toronto. Hell, maybe they put a third team in L.A. Uh, The NFL doesn't really have much regard for small markets. And so what if Goodell just forces the Bengals to go? Well, uh, this would be a very clear sign that that has never been less likely. But, But more than anything for me, I mean, look, in in a very sort of uh, pure sense, would I love it if there weren't corporate names on everything? Of course. Is it blatantly hypocritical for me who works in radio and advertising driven business to to begrudge anybody attaching a sponsor on anything? Absolutely. Um, If if taking the, the pay core money means this increases the odds of Joe Burrow taking every snap of the prime years of his career in a Bengals uniform in that stadium, call it whatever you want. Um, I couldn't care less if the company is local or not. It is, which is great. Uh, I don't really care about the actual name itself because we can call it whatever we want. I'm all about enabling the Brown family to stash the money away needed to ensure that Joe plays his entire career, or at least the good years of his career in a Bengals uniform. And so if this helped accomplish that, I'm for it. You you talk about calling it whatever you want. I was going to ask you about that because I, I don't think you were on the air. I think you were in college maybe when, when Riverfront went to Synergy and there was, there was a lot of backlash people. I'll never call it Synergy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always going to be, I mean, do, do you, the college to your show, do you, do you get that sense that people are going to kind of push back on PayCor or uh, giving what it means? Do you think people are going to embrace this name more? I, I think, and I believe we talked about this. I think the fact that Mike Brown spoke about what his dad would want mm-hmm. in ways that made a lot of sense and in ways that mesh with everything we've come to know about Paul Brown. I think that has, I, th- I think that has, put a lot of people in a position where they're willing to go along with this, where they might not have also th- there's really a sense that this team could do no wrong right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, <laughs> I'm sure they can for some, but they're really, if they're doing this coming off two and 14 and nobody going to games, the reaction's a little bit different, but also corporate names on stadiums are a way of life for a, you know, a generation or two of sports fans. I mean, they just are. And and so I, I, I think, you know, Riverfront Stadium turning into Synergy Field was like the first, if I'm not mistaken, the first sports venue in town that had a specific corporate name attached to it. We were still calling Shoemaker Center, Shoemaker Center. Xavier was playing at the Cincinnati Gardens. Um, we the 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 idea of a name change wasn't so commonplace that it was probably still jarring for a lot of people. Mm. Now everything's got a corporate name on it. 
every stadium in the league that's not Soldier Field or Lambeau Field has a name on it. I said this to my audience last week. I go, hey, the, the building the Lakers played in in the Showtime 80s, what was it called? Another great Western Forum. You know, Great Western's uh, a corporate name. You know, some of these, you know, places that had names on them, it, it goes back years. And so I just sort of feel like you have a generation of fans that have kind of grown up or grown so accustomed to very untraditional names that we're all willing to go along with it and just, okay, fine. That's what we're going to call it. There's also the realization you call it whatever you want, man. I mean, um, if, if you want to call it Paul Brown stadium, you're not going to get arrested. If you walk inside the gates of Paycor stadium and say, man, it's great to be at Paul Brown stadium to the best of my knowledge, they're not going to remove you from the premise. So, uh, <laughs> The the reaction to this has been, I think, what it should be, and 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 certainly vastly different than it was in '97. Because I remember that man. I remember. I'm not calling it Synergy Field. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember. I was like planting my flag. I was in college. Like, no chance. I'm calling it that. I don't even like Synergy. Our power goes out all the time at this apartment <laughs> we're in. Screw that. Uh, but you you pay for the money for a new transformer instead of putting your name on a dilapidated stadium that nobody takes care of anyway. And our I, th I just think things are, are so drastically different than they were, you know, a quarter century ago. Totally agree. And I don't think any, I, it's, it's the exact same way. Why well, I, I have a big like painting of riverfront stadium in my house. And I've never once been like, is that a, is, didn't you like my synergy field art? You know, like, no, it's, <laughs> it's riverfront. Stadium. It's whatever it is to you and whatever you want it to be. And if people call it Paycor, good for Paycor. If people call it pay Joe, good for Joe, like whatever, <laughs> who cares what, you know, what it's called. It, 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 and, and I understand what it means. You know, it, it, to me, it was, if it's okay by Mike, it should be okay by all of us. He's the one whose dad's name it is. He's the one who's who's cared a, a ton about his name being up there. So if he says, this is what my dad would have wanted, then who the hell are we to even have it matter, you know, other than you like the nostalgia of it or whatever? Well, you know, so be it. This is a business and, and it all moves on. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought... I thought the way that Mike articulated what his dad would have thought, I, I think, again, it it meshed with everything we've come to understand about Paul Brown Stadium. Dad would have wanted what's best for the football franchise, and this is what's best for the football franchise. It also, I mean, you tip your cap to them from a business perspective because this is the ultimate, you know, cash in while the value is at its highest because I'm sure they've had offers to put a, a name on Paul Brown Stadium uh, through different points of of that stadium's history. It never made more sense than it does right now. The visibility has never been higher. They're going to be playing in huge games this year on large stages in that stadium. Um, the season tickets are sold out. So a lot of people are going to be going like it, it made more from a business perspective. You kind of tip your cap to, you know what you guys waited this out and did it at precisely the right time. But yeah, this is something that's going to benefit the overall uh, greater good of of the football team nobody's against that and i also i feel like to a degree you know paul brown last coached the cincinnati bengals in 76 it's before i was born man uh paul brown last um had a hand in the day-to-day -day operations of the bengals in early 1991 that's three decades ago so i, I do think to a degree you have a, a couple of generations of fans for who Paul Brown is just a name. I've said this on my show a few different times in the um, 
the NFL network of football life on Paul Brown, Chris Collinsworth makes the point. There's a George Hallis trophy, a Vince Lombardi trophy, a Lamar Hunt trophy. I think now the coach of the year award is the Don Shula award. The NFL does nothing for Paul Brown. So to me, I would sort of pivot it to the national football league and go, dude, father of modern football. How do you have nothing that memorializes this guy's contributions to the sport? Um, I, I think Bill Belichick has talked about this when he passed Paul Brown for career wins. You know, he wore the fedora and he's like, you know, the NFL does need to do a better job of telling his story. So I would kind of point to the NFL and say, "Don't you guys figure out a way to honor Paul Brown and, and do it in a way that, you know, sort of transcends Cincinnati or Cleveland. But I think here there's a, a couple of generations of people for whom Paul Brown is just a name. Um, and I, I think to a degree that minimizes the level of pushback had Paul been around as recently as two years ago and had just passed. And the Bengals are like, ah, cool. Guess what we're going to do. We're going to slap Paycor on it. I think there would be significant pushback. The reality is he hasn't been around for years. There's a lot of people, unfortunately, who really don't know what Paul did, his contributions to the city, his contributions to football. And that's sad, but I think that that sort of dynamic has um, lessened whatever pushback the Bengals might be getting on uh, on the name change. Plus, they just put his name in the ring of honor. So yeah. if you want to see Paul Brown's it's name, inside the stadium walk inside. Now. There it is. There's <laughs> there it Paul is. Brown. Uh, Jay, um, you have trivia. Let's let's see how we can do on doing oh. some trivia. Yeah, okay. So it's still the same building, obviously, but under the name, under the moniker, Paul Brown Stadium, you guys have 100, 179 games. Do you have any idea what the Bengals' record is inside Paul Brown Stadium? Oh, ooh. So there's been one tie against <laughs> Philly. Two ties. Two Philly ties. and Carolina. Philly and yeah. Carolina. So cool. that leaves well, us oh, 177. Sorry, so 181 games in. Oh, okay. okay, so we're yeah. adding the yeah. two ties. Yes. This counts postseason? Yes. Uh okay. I mean, it's gotta be some it's gotta be a hundred losses. Nope. It's got at least not, a, not even 100 losses? No. They have a winning know. record in that building. Do they really? Yes. How about 94, that? 94, 85. Well, I just wrote down 93. Two- I was gonna, I wrote down, I was going to do the math. I was subtracting. <laughs> Too slow. one off. Wow. Nine, what was it? What was it, Jay? 94, 85, and two. How about that? Not bad. Does, I mean, does Mo remember... Does Mo remember who scored the first Bengals touchdown in that stadium? Peter Warwick. Okay. First regular season touchdown. Uh, okay. Peter Warwick was the punt return Nick against Lucci? the Bears. No. 2000. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> Corey Dillon? Uh, nope. Mm, Ron like Dugans. Ron Dugans, yes. Ron yes! Dugans. Yeah. <laughs> Florida State. Boom, Ron Dugans. Wow. And the oh, last God. touchdown scored by a Bengal in the building formerly known as Paul Brown Stadium was Tyler Boyd in the playoff game. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah. Ron Dugans. Feeling good. Get Ron Dugans on the show. Let's go. <laughs> Third round wide receiver. <laughs> they got uh, smoked a 20 24 7 by the Browns. Tim game Couch. One. Yep. Yeah. Tim Couch beat him. Former Miami, uh, former Miami of Ohio running back Travis Prentice scored the first touchdown overall in that building. How about right. that? 
Yeah, um, the Browns won that game 24 to 7. Mm-hmm. All right. Mo, today, uh, 3 to 4, ESPN 1530, me and you. Yeah. And then uh, I had this sta- stadium naming rights expert on like weeks ago when they first yeah. announced they were doing this. And he emailed me. I mean, I wasn't done reading the press release. <laughs> and he's like, buddy. It's done. I'll come on. So I guess we're getting him on today. He's coming back. By, back by the more. way, did you do what I did and guess how many words into the press release before you saw the phrase strategic partnership? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> strategic part. You knew that was going to be to me. It was a matter of first paragraph, second paragraph. Yeah. Third. Par- it's a little bit lower in the press release than I would have imagined. I strategic Instead of being strategic, what could it have been whimsical partnership? Just one that had no strategy to it at all? Yeah. I mean, why not just a partnership? What Aloof. is a strategic? I'm going to start referring to my relationships, like my wife and I. I have a it's not a marriage. Partnership. It's a strategic <laughs> partnership. <laughs> See how she feels about that? She would actually probably agree. Yeah. <laughs> Mo, I appreciate it. I look forward to our strategic partnership from three to four today. All right, guys. We'll see you. See you. Uh, all right, Mo Egger, ESPN 1530. Um, all things stadium have been covered, so let's <laughs> let's move forward. Bengals, Cardinals, Friday night at the jungle. Yeah, it's still the jungle. I could call it the jungle. <laughs> uh, just leaving it hanging out there, see if I'm going to even, if I, how I'm going to feel about calling it Paycor Stadium. Uh, but either way, they're playing Friday at the stadium that is on, next to the Banks and the Brady <laughs> on the river on the river uh, in Cincinnati. Um, let's. The question we've been going around asking everybody this week is, you know, inside the building, we've been asking. Who are you most interested in seeing play on Friday? Now, a lot of times that question will elicit an answer of rookies because it's their first mm. NFL game experience and you want to see what they got and you're curious what they have. It can be people who maybe are coming off injuries. It could be people that have a new position. It could be people who are in a battle. Um, there's a lot of different names I think that you could be interested in seeing. And we've gotten a lot of different names, and we'll have that piece later this week that I think people will be really interested to read of who Bengals players and coaches and staff members are talking about when it comes to interest and what they're going to look like when they play the games. For you, Jay, who are you most interested in seeing on Friday? Well, I'd say Kwame Lasseter, but more so as a returner than as a receiver. I, I feel we've seen enough of him as a receiver, and yes, it's practice. It's different when the lights go on, but but you know he's gonna he's gonna get separation. He's gonna make catches. I I really want to see what he can do in the return game because special teams is that that one element of practice that just never goes truly live. We even saw them have a couple live periods where they were tackling to the, tackling to the ground in eleven on eleven. With special teams, you never see that. It's it, it's not till the, the the actual preseason games start. And, and if you remember back, that's how Alex Erickson won a spot on on this team, you know, several years back. And it's it's going to be interesting to see what Kwame can do because that that's going to go a long way in whether he can make this fifty three man roster. Um, I talked to Darren Simmons yesterday, and he said he knows what he has in Trent Taylor. It's going to be Kwame Lasseter and Puka Williams handling the bulk of these returns in these preseason games. Um, and if if Kwame can have 
a, a couple solid ones, even a, one explosive one. I think it's going to go a long way in him making this 53-man roster. And it's going to take uh, a full preseason of building trust, you know, mm-hmm. to actually win that job. It's going to take, I think it would take multiple explosive-ish, double-digit returns probably, double-digit yard returns, and certainly no mistakes or poor decisions. Mm-hmm. Um and to to do I mean that's what it took for Eric's I mean he he had multiple big returns but you know before he had the second one I think in Atlanta not in Atlanta there was a second one later in that preseason the first one was Atlanta uh you know they were still on the fence about it like I don't know we'll see could he's been lucky when it continued to happen and the trust continued to build he was willing to move on and willing to trust that guy uh in in those spots and that's what it's going to take to overthrow a guy in Trent Taylor who you know what he is, you know what he's going to do, you know he's going to hand the ball to the official when he's done and Joe Burrow and the offense is going to come out there and that's what matters most. I agree. All the kick returners and punt returners are going to be fascinating to watch over the course of the preseason because that's going to go a long way to deciding the back end of that room if the Bengals don't make some sort of trade for a receiver returner type or something like that. Maybe you could see that something like that happen and was to get closer to the season. I have Jeff Gunter, uh, the seventh round pick out of Coastal Carolina, who has been a beast. He has been an absolute beast out here uh, in in camp. Just you know, whether it be going a little after the whistle or whether it be just really playing well and catching people's eyes, I've been really taken aback by how many players and coaches have gone out of their way. Von Bell, uh, I had already talked to him for this, and he had gone off and ate lunch or did something else, and he came and he buzzed directly across the locker room up to me where I was somewhere else and leaned in. He's like, make sure defensive lineman 93, put him in there too. (laughs) Making sure, because he had forgotten him in the moment, making sure that he got in there. That's how people, I think, have felt watching him. He's been a surprise. Mm -hmm. As a seventh-round pick, you know, you're basically undrafted free agent. I think it's been surprising to hear that. And then, you know, when you get into the preseason games, that the interior of the trenches is what you're really watching because you can get a you're getting a good feel for the edge players, you know, whether we're talking with the receivers and the corners and the safeties, you get a good feel for them in practice. You can see that. But this this part of the game, you can only really learn in the games. And uh Carter, I think is or excuse me, Gunter is gonna be interesting to watch. I would throw Zach Carter in that bucket too, yeah. though, who has also looked really good. The third round pick out of Florida, who's kind of the uh swing backup for BJ Hill outside guy for them. Yeah, I, Gunter's right at the top of my list too. I mean, it's he's going to be unchained. They 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 can't go as as hard as they want to go in practice, and we've seen him mix it up uh, early in practice. Took a swing at a guy the other day. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch him just go full bore. And the other one I think that is we we haven't mentioned, but when I asked assistant coach Rob Livingston his pick, he said, "Well, Captain Obvious." Dax Hill, the number one overall pick, and, and Zach did confirm he's going to play in this game. Uh, so I think a lot of people are anxious, myself included, anxious to see how he looks um, in this preseason game as well. There's there's a number of them, and, and we've gotten, from all the people we've talked to, we've got a lot of different picks. There are some some leaders in the clubhouse that that seem to be catching everyone's eyes, but there's there's a, a number of other names that people are, are keeping an eye on. And you're right, it runs the gamut from from guys that have been here for a while and are now getting a, a bigger chance, uh, guys coming back from injury. Um, it's <clears throat> it, I know people aren't 
you get excited about that first preseason game and then the interest kind of wanes after the first series or two. Um, but, but for the, for fans that are really, really interested in the, the total embodiment of the 53 roster, I think there's going to be, um, a lot of interesting pieces to watch Friday night. Yeah. I'm not sure if we'll get Joseph Osai, I think maybe, I mean, it's hard to know on, and we're not going to see a lot of starters playing. That's for sure. If probably none, actually, uh, none of the major starters are going to play, uh, is, is kind of the, what I, I think is the guess here, but, with Osai, he, you know, they want to see him. They need to see him out there. But it, you know, they, they're not going to put somebody out there who's not fully, fully cleared to play in a game. And you can be cautious with him at this point, maybe. So I, I'm curious. He'll be a curious one to see because he's been participating fully in everything here in practices. So if he's ready for the game, he's ready for the game. I don't know if they'll try to hold him back a little bit more. Um, so Osai obviously is one that people will want to see uh, once once he gets out there. Other one on my Cordell Volson. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just don't. You just don't know. I mean, until they get out there and he really does it, you don't really know how he's going to look. He's had rough moments uh, in camp, but everybody you expect that out of a rookie fourth round pick. So we'll see what he looks like out there in the games. But him and Carmen, that battle will uh, kind of really commence all the offensive linemen here as they get going. All right, uh, let's uh, move on to scoops. Let's see if we got any scoops here, Jay. Jay, you got you got some scoops. Yeah, this isn't a breaking news kind of scoop, but it's it's something you know what, what we want this segment to be, where where things that you just don't work into a, a a story or the podcast, just something that you notice off to the side. And and mine involves Sam Hubbard. And we've talked a lot about how since Zach Taylor got here, that that Sam has been the embodiment of what he wants this culture to be. Um, there was, I think it was last Friday's practice. It was one of those practices where the defense just totally dominated. Last play of practice Brandon Allen hits Hayden Hurst on a, a short little pass he shakes the linebacker I can't remember if it was Pratt or it, Davis guy that was on him and, and takes off down the field Hubbard in 90 degree weather 90 some percent humidity takes off in a full sprint and chases him down from behind just to get the little tap on him to end the play I mean that just says everything you need to know about Sam Hubbard. And then yesterday they give him a vet day. And a lot of times guys take them for what they are, a chance to kind of relax, take it easy. Um, Sam was over on the rehab field yesterday going through a heavy workout. He was doing the ropes, um, doing a bunch of the drills that the other injured guys were doing, getting a sweat on on his off day. It's just it's really impressive to to watch the way that guy approaches his job. Um, even in the, in the moments when not a lot of people are watching that, no, there's, there's so, um, that was one that I believe it was Dan Horde was talking about this or tweeted it. One of the two, um, about Mike Zimmer was at practice. Mm-hmm. His his son Adam is now an offensive consultant with the Bengals and Zim of course has his famous ranch down in Kentucky. Uh, and so he was up hanging out and talking to Dan and and mentioned God, Sam Hubbard, just love Sam Hubbard, how well he plays. Anybody that's been around Zim knows that you're not exactly uh, getting nothing but random compliments about <laughs> players from Sim. Okay. And that was, that's one of those things where it's because of stuff like that. And, 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 you know, Bengals fans know that's, that's just kind of, kind of the way that he plays and how he makes his living. Um, mine is a little different. So I was uh, looking to talk to Jamar Chase the other day, and um, 
I knew he was supposed to be doing something with Chad. Chad's in town, of course, and you know Chad's jumping on T Higgins and like hanging out with Mike and doing Chad stuff, leaving massive tips for for servers. I mean, you know, Chad's doing Chad, which is always fun and entertaining. And um, he he was supposed to be doing something, I believe, that's called generations it's just like boomer and burrow did last mm. year uh watching each other's highlights and talking about it uh it was going to be chad and jamar chase and well i think they came off a little early or jamar is clearly ready for chad he's it, he comes out of practice he gets his gear on that he wants to wear for the interview and he's clearly ready for chad and you see him kind of pacing kind of circling the locker room, going outside, coming back, talking to equipment guys, looking around like, where where could Chad possibly be, you know? And eventually, I think, finds him. Chad was either late because he, they came off a little early or just got caught up. Like, apparently was hanging out on, like, the front offices. Like, Chad's just, when you're Chad, you just have this free reign of everywhere, okay? It just, you could just go down into, like, Mike's office and walk on in or walk on. Like, there there are players. I remember when Michael Johnson signed um, his, when he came back here and signed after his one year in Tampa. And he went in and actually and signed up on 1A, up on the, like, main front offices in in the room up there and said this is the first time i've ever been in this part of the building before <laughs> like players don't go up there okay like no one people don't go up there and the idea that chad's just wandering around through there doing his thing is while jamar chase is waiting on him uh downstairs is just a fantastic visual and something that i th- I, I thoroughly uh enjoyed yeah, that's. I was told that the 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 social team had this whole thing set up where they were going to film Chad walking into the building and get, going into his interview with with Jamar. And because he was up in the the business offices, he had to be escorted down into the locker room. They came in a different way, and so that that whole video ended up getting scrapped. But um, you mentioned Michael Johnson. That room, that conference room where they signed their contracts is. It's been named the Paul Brown Conference Room. So there's another area. His he's in the Ring of Honor. His autograph is stitched in the jerseys. His name is on that conference room where Joe Burrow is going to sign this record-breaking mm. extension. We presume next offseason. There, there is still a he, there's there, there's quotes from him all over the building. There's still a long legacy of Paul Brown in that building, even though it's not going to be named for him anymore. Uh can they just name like everything but the stadium for him? Basically, we can have the Paul Brown hallway. We can have like the Paul Brown water <laughs> press fountain, box. The Paul Brown, yeah. No, the the press box. I I I feel I feel I think Jeff Hobson's name needs to be on the press box. <laughs> I I would vote for it. I alive Jeff Hobson. Okay, yeah. we, don't, we don't wait. Don't we don't wait until hopefully he stays with us for a long, 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 long time. I think I, I think Jeff Hobson's name should be on the press box. Who made a major appearance in Peter King's column this week? Good for Butch. <laughs> I mean, he, uh, stoop shouldered Bengals dot com boss. <laughs> As Peter referenced him, uh, Peter and Butchie are good friends and, and enjoy uh, enjoy each other's company a lot. So it was fun to hear, fun to read that in a good good background story on Butch, who also wrote about that uh, himself. In him having a, a drill where he was waving a f- 
towel in front of Jamar Chase's face what during uh, one of the many, many reps off the jugs machine that Jamar does after practice. When Butch with a PBU said he could tell his grandkids he broke up a pass intended for That's Jamar right. Chase. Uh, let's get to some of your questions here. Like all things, when you end up on the internet and on YouTube, it just ends up with people fighting each other in the comments. So shout out to everybody that's there yelling at each other as I try to sift through uh, where the actual questions are. It, it, and you wouldn't be right if you didn't have people fighting, like coming in from international countries. We've got like other <laughs> languages in the name, just shouting. Uh, there, someone called Mo Buddy, which is like so low. And we've got, and then we've just got lots of screaming and yelling about about frauds and hangovers and all kinds of stuff so that's great uh the internet is doing it what it does let's let's go in and find a couple of questions in here um uh from jim a couple of names i haven't heard talked about from last year's class how about hubert and shelvin how they look in camp imagine both are on the bubble um but curious anyway uh they are both on the bubble. Mm. I think that's certainly fair to say. I mean, Hubert, as a seventh-round pick last year, was always going to kind of be on the bubble in a very crowded room. Um, he's going to need to have a good camp to make this team when you consider they have this year's Hubert and Gunter also competing with him. And we mentioned Kareem. You know, you got Osai. You've got Cam Sample. It's just a really loaded group. And so you haven't really – he hasn't shown up much. Um, neither of them have yeah I mean Shelvin obviously he had all the issues in the offseason and he had the, the hand thing and the overweight stuff and he hasn't exactly been in the good graces so uh, they're definitely both on the bubble and, and for my, from my view Jay you can you say, I don't know what your view is but I, I haven't seen much that's made me to believe uh, that they're opening eyes at this point no and Hubert even missed a practice the other day and um, Shelvin has not. Now, where Shelvin's going to show up is in as a run stopper, and, and that's hard to get a good feel for in these practices when there's not much hitting. Um, he will be someone that, that this. Well, both these guys, the preseason games are going to be huge for, but we'll get a better idea of of if he looks any better this year than he did last year in the preseason game with whatever amount of snaps he gets. But yeah, I, I in my original 53 before camp even started, I, I had Shelvin on the outside looking in. Same with Hubert. Um, I, I think he's, even as a fourth round pick, he's got an uphill climb to make this team. Uh, agreed. All right, let's go next into Irvin SM 1984. Uh what position are they most likely to add a veteran who gets cut in the next couple of weeks? Um, you know, I, I, I continue to to see, be curious to see what happens with a receiver returner type. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you, you, that's a position that you do see discarded by teams that have two guys who are pretty good returners and one's a better receiver or whatever. Um, somebody who could bring a little bit more dynamic playmaking than Trent Taylor um, and maybe bring you a little bit more to the receiver room if you don't end up seeing much from Kwame Lasseter or Puka Williams or any of these guys who are undrafted guys. Um, you know, I, I thought last year, you know, when you saw Jakeem Grant traded, um, I was surprised the Bengals weren't more involved. He's the type of, I mean, I think it was a six-round pick. He's the type of player that you would 
could see them trading for from a team that was going to make a, a veteran guy who's had a lot of success as a returner and as, as a receiver a cut. Um, he, he could be something that you could you could you could certainly see happening. Uh, and at tight end, and yeah. you need a, you know somebody who resembles Hayden Hurst a little bit. Um, and they don't have anything. I mean, they got Hayden Hurst. Sample and Wilcox and all these guys are much more of your your blocking types. I mean, if Hurst goes down, if Hurst were to miss games, there's I don't see anybody on the roster that could really replace him. Not to say you're going to get somebody off the street that can do that, um, but somebody that at least that's kind of more of their game. I mean, Thad Moss, he, that he's more of a receiving type than blocking type, but I I don't he's that would be a a steep drop from Hayden Hurst to him. The, the other position, I mean, maybe we see a repeat. Maybe we see him get a, a three tech uh, because you, you've, you've got BJ Hill, you've got Zach Carter beyond that. You know, the, it's, it's more of the, the run stopper types of defensive tackles. They've got all these edge guys and, you know, maybe sample moves back inside. But the, I, I think that if, if one of those guys becomes available somewhere, you, you could see them maybe doubling down and, and doing it again. It worked so well with well with BJ Hill last year. Um, it, the, the question then is, you know, where where do you trade from? And a lot depends. If Jesse Bates comes back, all of a sudden that safety room is is pretty deep, and and maybe that's uh, it's a safety for a defensive tackle or for a three technique type of trade. Yeah, that's. That's where I was going to go next is yeah, actually right above that, the question from Nick who said, what are the chances we see another trade before the season starts similar to last year? If so, who would that be in the trade? I think you're right, Jay. I mean, I, I think, you know, Michael Thomas is a really solid veteran. And I think a guy that would be a solid third safety on most teams, I, you, you know, he would joke, he's been called, they call him uncle Mike. You know, he's like the only older dude on the whole team. He's the 31, uh, I think. And, and you know, you've got a bunch of young dudes. you got Dax Hill and Tyson, Han- Tyson Anderson back there. I mean, if they play well and look good and Jesse Bates comes back, all of these things, I think, are the expectation. You're not going to, you know, keep, keeping five safeties. You also, you have Brandon Wilson. Who, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess he'll end up on PUP. Hmm. Uh missing the first six weeks, but you have him in the background too. You know, how many safeties do you need? And and would someone who needs safety help be looking for a veteran who's played before like Michael Thomas and who's going to be a pros pro coming in? Had back-to-back picks in camp uh, this past week. I, you know, I really like Michael Thomas and what he does for this team in the locker room and everything, but if you're able to get something that can help you more, on a guy that might end up being cut, um, you certainly would would have to consider that. I I would think that that position stands out to me uh, more than just just about any on the roster as far as maybe being able to get something for somebody who's who's proved a little more proven. It's funny. I asked Michael Thomas where the Uncle Mike name who who gave him that name, um, and he said it goes all the way back to his Dolphin days. Xavier Howard called him that when Xavier was a rookie. Mm. And then he goes to the Giants, and someone else there started calling him it. And then when he got, he said, and then it followed him here to Cincinnati. And Marcus Bailey was the first one to drop an Uncle Mike on him here. So it's it's uh, a name that is is 
it's not a well-known nickname, but for some reason it just keeps following him. And maybe that's because it is, he has this, this older, more mature presence about him, especially in this locker room with such a young team. I got to give a shout out to these people in this fight on the YouTube channel right now. There <laughs> is relentless. Like, it is. There is a lot of back and forth. Like, I, I mean, I have not, I've not had any conversation with anyone where I'm that into it, where I am just like going to have a hundred posts in like 15 minutes i'm seeing joe go. montana kansas city conversations that's where yeah. it's devolved to <laughs> so we got to be careful with the internet uh let's see dave lennox down here uh with the new pbs stadium upgrade designs that have been put out there how much are those going to change now that they have sold naming rights and what other kinds of new upgrades can we expect to be done? Um, yeah, there's a bunch of potential upgrades that have been shown on those renderings. I don't think this necessarily uh, affects that. I mean, it puts money in the pockets for whatever portion the Bengals are going to pay for. We don't know what that's going to be. I'm sure there will be fights over what that number is. Um, but this, this does help them with that. Uh, but, the other stuff, you know, you the big thing that, that I think you noticed was the the new the brand new scoreboard with everything on the back of it, you know, the pavilions and and all kinds of cool stuff on the that kind of goes out on the back of the the scoreboard, which obviously has incredible views of the river and the Roebling and everything else from there, um, where you could have have all kinds of stuff in events that you could you could hold up there and and it'd be a really cool area where you could watch the game from the sides too. Um, that was one of the biggest ones. So those renderings are out there. You can go yeah. and, and pick through what you like and and don't like. There's a a, a lot of the high end amenities uh, certainly that you see a lot more connecting of the tops of the stadium and and walk you know bridges and more escalators uh, to make just to make getting around so much easier too. Yeah, some of the stuff like the nightclub. I don't think that's that's realistic. Yeah. I don't know we're going to see that. I am curious to. See, I don't know how this works, but you can pretty much bank on the fact that there's going to be a sports book because yeah. they're they have they have the partner with Bet Fred. It's going to be legal in Ohio starting next year. I don't know what if they have a sports book in the stadium if the Bengals get a cut of that at all. But um, that is that is definitely an upgrade. I think is coming for sure with the with, with whatever renovations they do. Yeah. Um, thanks everybody that has watched on YouTube. Hope people are liking the uh liking the YouTube show. Uh we're enjoying doing it for you and you can come in and uh drop you don't have to fight. Like you can just come in and just say nice things too. Uh, you know, and and we can we can all have a good time if that's possible still on the internet. I don't know. We're we're testing. We're testing Where are they gonna that. take this fight when we log off? I don't when we end the show. <laughs> Not to the streets. I'm sure they live in different countries. So uh well we've uh, uh, again like, subscribe, rate, all those things, please. Uh, if you uh if you have anything you'd like to say, particularly if it's nice, uh we'd love to love to hear it. And if you have any comments for uh things you'd like to see on the show, just let us know. You can always uh you can always hit us up on any of our stories or send us emails or, or anything like that. So on Twitter, of course, at Paul Dater Jr., at J Morrison ATH, uh, if you want to send us any comments. So that'll wrap it up. We will have uh, the walkout on Friday. That's right. The walkout back. is back, baby. The walkout is back as we uh, will react after Friday's preseason opener against the Cardinals, and we'll be in full 
season form. So looking forward to all of that, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one.